Welcome into the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. I'm John Vogel, your host. Today we've got special guests joining in on the show. Going to get into some game, talking about some uh, something this that I'm particularly close to Tennessee football. Uh, but first, we got a, the big guns in the studio today, AC and Sammy. Guys, go ahead and get this thing started. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. And the thickest draft show on the planet is brought to you by DraftKings. Make sure that you get into the DraftKings Sportsbook app now if you're not already. Use the DraftKings code 6SPORTS to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL bet. Get in on the action. Super Bowl's coming up. Got some Pro Bowl stuff also to get into. So make sure that you enjoy uh, and take advantage of this offer. I mean, $200 in bonus bets instantly. doesn't matter if you win or lose. Get into the action now on DraftKings. Uh, we got everybody here today, starting out with Justin Gamble, Mark Jarvis, the usual co-hosts here, guys. Uh, everybody's in, everybody's back, and how are we doing, guys? Tired. We've never done this on a Saturday before. <laughs> you haven't done this on a Saturday yeah, before, Jarvis and I have. Yeah. yeah, true, true. I sleep yeah, every we had a great... on a Saturday. I'm nice and refreshed. Oh, I forgot you're like, what? Two three hours behind me now, Gam. It's it's so. still noon here, but you know I'm yeah. lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's funny because we stretch out over three time zones, and we're doing this and trying to coordinate that stuff. It's always been fun. It's been um, tough. It's always been. Yeah, but, but hey, we have a good time. Work. We, we talk football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Everybody yeah. comes in. We have a, it's it's a lot of fun. But Jarvis, everything's good with you. I'm excited. I'm uh, starting 2025, guys. Working through Kansas State. And uh, we're going to have Shrine Bowl measurements soon, too, that we probably can discuss on here. So, yeah, fun time of year. Yeah, and tape here should be out shortly as well. So the virtual credentials, they do the virtual credentials. You get access to all the film. That's always a good deal to get started with the scouting year. So, um, yeah. but gentlemen, um, we, we got a special guest that's here that's joining us that we wanted to talk some ball with. So let's bring him in, guys. Gabe, Judy, Lolly. I'm saying that right. I'm making sure right. <laughs> uh, Lally, but I mean, this is Lally, crazy. Lally, yeah, Lally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, a, it's the Tennessee and me coming out. I was just saying Lally, you know. <laughs> but hey, man, I appreciate you coming out on the show with us and joining us. How are you doing? How's, how's training? How's life, man? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing good. Um, training six days a week. So it's, it's like fall camp all over again, but um, it's yeah. been good. Got, I'm around a really good talent right now, so pushing myself every day. And I'm back home in Texas, so it's nice to be here too. Nice. So, did you go? Do you are you one of those guys that picks a place to go training, or are you working out uh, with some yeah. people that you're already familiar with? Um, I picked a place where I could go train. I'm, my agents were pretty cool, and they're like, "Wherever you want to go, where you think you'll do the best." So, um, I chose to go to Exos and. Um, Frisco. So that's where I'm at right now. And I'm from Austin, mm. so it's not too far away from me. So it's nice. Oh, no, that's that's a good deal. Yeah. No, that's that's not far at all. In in the grand scheme of Texas, of course, Texas yeah. being this huge, massive state, right? Yeah. So um 
So, so Gabe, one of the things that we always like to start, that I like to start with on these uh, on the interviews we do with players, is kind of learn how you got into football. Uh, everybody's story is usually really cool. So, for you, where did football and this journey start uh, in your life? Yeah, so I was originally born in New York City, and then my mom had met my stepfather, and he lived in Texas. So he was like, "If you're gonna come here and you're gonna live in Texas, you have to play football." And I never really knew what football was. I was like four or five. And so he put me in winter football. We're all just like a bunch of little bobbleheads running around. There's like 11 of us. So you got to play every single position. And uh, from there, just kind of grew the affinity for the game. Like I, I tried a lot of different sports. Soccer, I'd run past the ball. Baseball was too slow for me. So just football is just kind of what I started with. I played year round for, gosh, until maybe middle school. And then um, – I just was around a lot of like really good coaches growing up. My Pop Warner coaches won a couple national championships in college. Some of them played in the NFL. So we just had like a rich lineage, like, and we were one of the best teams in the state of Texas. So it was just really fun to be able to get to play um, with everybody here. And you know how football is in Texas. Like it's, it's like your family, the Bible and football. So like from there, like that, that's all I just kind of did as a middle schooler, you'd go play your football game on Tuesday, go watch the JV on Thursday and then the varsity on Friday. So it, that's pretty much where it came from. And I just took it and ran with it from there. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I didn't know you were, I, I heard you were in Texas. I didn't know it was uh, Austin. That's pretty cool. Were you, did you grow up a Longhorns fan? Um, like to an extent, right. My sister went to yeah. school there. So I was, I, I watched the Longhorn. She had a couple of friends on the team. So we'd go to the games. Uh, my stepdad went to NC state. So like, I was like a Wolfpack fan kind of growing up, wow. but more or less was just like in awe of like college sports in general. You know, that was like the phase of like Chip Kelly at Oregon and everybody was like, Oh, oh my wow. gosh, the, the jerseys. And so I have me a couple Oregon jerseys too. No, and I would never go to Eugene in my life, but um, <laughs> but I'd say like yeah, for like a fair weather fan, I was a I was a Longhorn fan at the end of the day. Okay, what at what point, you know, in your life in your college or in your uh, football career, did you realize like college football is a reality for me, and this is what I want to do, and like I'm good, you know? Like, when did that click to you? Well, for me, I'd say probably like seventh or eighth grade but I was told around like fourth or fifth grade because my um position coach uh, and Pop Warner he played in the NFL and me and his son actually both played defense and I I always wanted to be a quarterback so I played quarterback growing up my whole life and he was like you need to stop playing quarterback and you need to go play defense and you're gonna go to college and when you're 11 or 10 you don't really realize that but then moved to middle school and I strictly pretty much played defense and I was like really good at it. And I was like, I think that he knew what he was talking about back in the day. And yeah. so that's when it kind of just started to click. I actually had to move away from Texas to North Carolina because my stepdad, um, he ran out patient surgery centers. And so he got a new job in North Carolina, which where he was from. And just like the level, like I was just way more advanced than the kids, like when I had gone to North Carolina. So it just made the transition really easy for me. Because, like, I didn't know a lot of people, but football season starts at the beginning of school. So you're going to meet people from there and then yeah. on. And so I just kind of knew from then that it was going to happen. It just a matter of, like, what my body was going to develop into for me to see where I was going to go play at that point. But I just knew I had the skill yeah. to go do it. Right. 
That's cool, man. That's cool. Jarvis. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, John. I got a ton of questions lined up here, and I <laughs> imagine we're going to spend the back half of this on more fo- football sp- uh, focused stuff. So yeah, let's let's start let's start in on his background first. <laughs> so Tennessee put a lot of stuff in your roster page, and I was like, oh, this is all interesting, right? So yeah, you had a grandfather on the Ukrainian national soccer team and can speak fluent Russian. Uh, yeah. So, um, my mom Talk is space. an immigrant. And my father is an immigrant as well. My mom's an immigrant from Ukraine and my father's an immigrant from Haiti. So um, I grew up mostly with my mom before I met my stepdad. And so growing up, she was just spoke to me in Russian because when she was growing up, it was the USSR at that time. So everybody spoke mm-hmm. mostly Russian. And that just kind of was my first language for a really long time. Um, then I moved to Texas and my stepdad was like, I don't speak Russian. We need more English <laughs> in the house. So English just kind of, was, it, it, that's just what it became at that point. Still know how to speak Russian very well. I understand it. I'd say better than I'd say speak it at this moment in time. But I mean, if I needed to have a full blown conversation, I can do whatever I need to do. It's just more. So, like, so let, let's yeah, let's so. get into let, let's take let's take a second to do this because if you learn Russian fluently as a child, that means that you probably have the perfect accent for it because there's a certain age that you hit where you can pick up on those dialect type deals. So, because you're not, you can't hear that you speak Russian and when you speak English, right? So you learned English young enough as well. So, can yeah. you say something in Russian so we can like hear the dialect? Yeah. Здравствуйте, мои магаби, как дела? Oh, it's perfect. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, you sound like a bunch of guys I play hockey with. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's go ahead, driver. Sorry, I had to. I had to stop it. That's awesome. Oh, no, you're fine. I didn't want to be pushing me like, hey, speak some Russian for us. Because I know whenever someone <laughs> yeah. probably finds out, you can say it. They're probably like, well, go ahead and say it. And you don't know what to say all the time. But <laughs> It's like um, the parlor trick, you know. <laughs> it's not a foreign affairs podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then also oh, I was looking through here and I saw that you've got uh, four sisters, two brothers growing up in a big household and all that. How, how did that go for you? So um, it's a little bit misleading, like, what is put on there. So mm-hmm. I do have four brothers and um two sisters but i actually grew up as an only child so my dad has a couple of children and um they grew up with their um family right and then my stepdad had two children too but they're significantly older than me so mm-hmm. everybody's actually older than me by almost 10 years so i just never really i was the youngest for a while now i have a little brother he's 15 but he also grows he grows up with my dad in new york city so I just kind of always been an only child by myself, but I have relationships with everybody. I've talked to them and we all talk and such, but it was just like an awkward point. Cause like when I was in kindergarten, everybody was going to college or they were starting their careers or doing those other things. Like my oldest sister is 42. So I mean, I'm 22. So there's a big difference in between our age groups. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, I, I always am nervous about asking about things like that off the roster pages. Cause they'll put stuff on there. And you're like, you're not really sure, you know, and yeah, no, you get a little bit wrong in terms of how they, how they set it up. Um, then also wanted to ask, and I know this is something John might mention, might've mentioned later on, but I wanted to catch it going from Vanderbilt to BYU to Tennessee. Can you kind of just talk us through that process of transferring yeah. around and. Yeah, I guess sometimes it's like a, a misconceived notion, like transferring around. Right. I, Graduated from Vanderbilt, got my degree from Vanderbilt, and in three years, Wait, yeah, what? In three years, and so like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you gotta sometimes think like you give a university as much as you can give, and the university does the same back. And so I did that, and I felt like 
I had like granted myself the opportunity to go and explore somewhere else and, you know, get the opportunity to go to a bowl game. Cause right. Everybody's the end goal is to go to the NFL, but also I want to experience like what it is like to win, what it's like to, you know, be on a different culture and stuff. So then I decided to leave Vanderbilt and go in the transfer portal. And I actually was deciding between Florida, Arizona state, BYU. Um, but I had just gone through a coaching change at Vanderbilt. So I wasn't very like keen on going to Florida when they had just picked up Billy Napier and I was like, I don't really know what that's going to look like, so I don't want to get stuck in a situation like that again. Then just being, like, well-versed in the football realm, like I understood that Arizona State was on the hot seat with Coach Herm, and I was like, I don't need to go through that as well and then, you know, get lost in that process. My high school football coach in North Carolina, he played at BYU. He's a college football Hall of Famer. I played in the NFL, and he was like, you, he said it's going to be very different but you can go there and you can play really good football. And I think like when I committed there, like preseason ranked top 25 and I never even hurt sniff that at my time at Vanderbilt. And I was like, we got to roll with that one. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun football there. It's kind of like Texas, like BYU football is like, that's all you do there. Like sports, sports, sports. But of course the culture is just different from like what I'm used to growing up in Texas or North Carolina or whatever the case is. Um, so um, I decided to leave because we also fired half of our defensive staff and my coach didn't know if he was going to stay. And I'd already at this point in my college career had four different position coaches in three years. And I was like, I'm going to have another different position coach. And ironically enough, when I entered the transfer portal, like four days later, they retained my coach, but I had already gone through a process and I had, I think I was already on a visit going somewhere to go. Yeah. I was already at Tennessee on the visit. So I was like, I'm not going to go back on what I already decided to do. And then I visited Tennessee, Baylor, UCLA, whole bunch of places. At that point when I left BYU, I, I could have gone anywhere I wanted to go in the country, but I really wanted to go back home. But when I went to Baylor, it just like didn't seem like the right fit for me. And I was like, I don't want to go somewhere in my last year and it just not be the right place. So um, coach Martinez was like, just give us a chance. Just give us a shot. Like take your visits. If you still like us, come here. And then, and then the day that's what I decided to do. It was tough for me at the beginning to make the decision because like I had gone to Vanderbilt and my mom was like, you can't do that. Yada, yada, yada. But I also was like, does it really matter? And she was like, no, it doesn't. And, like, if you were to speak to her today, she thinks that it was the best decision I ever made, like, in my whole career to go to Tennessee. And she, like, is super happy with our experience there. Man, that's such a good – everything you just said is such a good segment because right now, you know, with Saban retiring and a lot of Alabama players leaving and a lot of players just around the country transferring in and out, it's this stigma now, like, this player's giving up, this player's just doing it, blah, 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 it's personal – but I don't think casual fans or even sometimes educated people understand what the player like yourself goes through and like what the mindset is as far as why you transfer and why you pick certain places and what you want that's best for your career. And like that was just it was I'm really glad you said everything you just said, because it kind of lays out like the thought process of like these guys aren't doing it because they just, you know, they were scorned or they just hate this or they gave up. There's so much that goes into the process of choosing what's going to be best for you. And I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's really nice to hear all that. And, you know, cause even for myself, I've been around this industry for a long time, but sometimes I'm like, 
I wish I knew what that player was thinking behind that decision. It's a head scratcher for me. And then you hear, you know, you hear you talk about some of the stuff. It's like, oh, that's perfect. That's, you know, what a lot of people probably need to hear and understand and be educated on that they don't know yet. Yeah, like a big thing that like I hope that people do understand like when they do look at my story and stuff like that. Like I never once left anywhere because I didn't play. Like that was never an issue for me and then never like a thought like wherever I was going to go, I was like, I'm going to play. I'm going to start. I have that enough confidence in myself. Like they wouldn't recruit me if that's not what they wanted me to do. Don't get me wrong. There are some people that leave because they're not playing. It it might be a better opportunity elsewhere. But each time that I transferred more and more attraction, like more people wanted me right from high school. I, I had certain places and then Vanderbilt was the biggest place I could go. So I went then left and stuff but i knew each time i was like i'm gonna go somewhere and i'm gonna play it's just is it the right fit or where i'm gonna go and i'm a guy that's gonna have three degrees at the end of the day two master's degrees and undergrad so i just know that i set myself up for regardless like i'm like football is the main goal but i don't have to worry about the other stuff and i just have to worry about football now because that that's all that matters because i have i'm gonna have three degrees Hell yeah, bro. Hey, real quick question. At BYU, did you play? You played with Puka Nakua, right? Yeah, I did play with Puka Nakua. <laughs> that dude what? is legit. Right, what was that? <laughs> yeah. Was it, what was that like in practice? What's he like? Did you know uh, at the time, like, this dude's a stud? Of course. Like, I mean, everybody checks out, like, the highlights from the year before. And Puka played there with Samson, his brother, the year before. And BYU is just really rolling. And they're just really good overall. But I will be honest with you, Puka did get hurt like in fall camp when I was there. I went against him a bunch like a bunch of times before he did get hurt. And like I knew he was he was physical, faster than everybody thought. I mean, me and him battled back and forth. But I didn't know how good he was until the first game of the season because he had rolled his ankle like three days before the game. And I'm talking about rolled that thing. It was like purple yeah. up to his knee. Like, we like there's no way, like no way he's playing the game. Yeah. First play of the game, 75-yard touchdown, handed it to him. And I was like, yo, what? And they're like, yeah, you didn't know, like, he's legit. And I'm telling you, the dude, like, the definition of flipping the switch, he doesn't have to, like, he could be so chill, whatever the case is. Like, he puts on his helmet and slaps his head, like, right before he goes out, and it's, like, over with. And then he scored three times that game and got hurt again. And I was like, this is this is crazy. And every game that he played, like I think he only played like eight that season when I was there. He went for like a hundred yards total, hundred yards receiving, like whatever it was. I was like, whoever gets this football player is gonna get a dude that is really good. And I think that it just spoke to how much like the 40 matters, but the 40 doesn't matter. Like at the same time. Cause my dude went and ran four six uh at BYU's Pro Day, and he still I think, in my personal opinion, should be rookie of the year in the NFL because he's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, if you're a gamer at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter what you run, you're gonna ball. And so that's he's just the definition of doing that. Yeah, that's cool. That's real cool. Yeah. So I got one one more I'll throw out here, John. Like you mentioned, okay, ahead, there is kind of a there is kind of a stigma about people when they transfer, you know, multiple times. It's kind of. I think you did a really good job explaining your reasoning behind it. And I think when scouts see, hey, this guy earned his degree from Vanderbilt in three years and he's got master's degrees and like he's, you know, it wasn't uh, going to try to find somewhere to play in that sort of thing. Uh, I think that's going to really impress scouts. And then also I wanted to ask you one more question about that was you got your undergraduate degree 
from uh, from Vanderbilt in human and organizational development. And I was curious, do you guys, how do you how do you approach that? Trying to take the the things you learned in that and then applying that to being a leader with your team. Yeah. So, like my track specifically uh, in HOD was leadership and organizational effectiveness, and I'll just be honest here. Like, I'm not the biggest like rah rah like talk about what I got to do but like one thing I did learn is like a lot of people do learn just based off like the actions that the others you know do around and when I was at like Vanderbilt that was we had a lot of groups we did a lot of group work and such and our teachers were never like grading us like yeah the content was important but like it was more about like what did you do within the group setting like to be able to help the team like be successful and that's like kind of like what I do in the aspect like with my guys, like I'm not like a big like team rah-rah guy, but like within my group, like I definitely within my position group, like I try to like get the work done on the field the way that it's supposed to get done. And like guys are like, well, like it doesn't seem like you do extra this or extra that. I was like, cause it doesn't always have to like, not everybody has to see what you're doing. Like if you're doing it and then it's reflecting on the field, like that we understand that there's enough accountability for us to put you on the field. Like guys that, aren't getting it done in the classroom. Like, I don't mean you got to be an A student, B student. I really don't care. You just got to be a student that passes at the end of the day, because if you can pass class, it at least shows me that I can put you on the field because you're going to be able to communicate the call to me and such. So like a big thing is like, I learned that Vanderbilt is like, just be like accountable with everything that you do, like within your group setting, because the smaller group is builds up the whole. So if the corners are doing the right thing, then that's one less thing we have to worry about on the field, right? Then there's nine other players we got to worry about. If the safeties are doing their thing, then there's seven people that we have to worry about from there. So if everybody does their one 11th or for us two, then it's a bigger hole that we'll get more success done at the end of the day. But especially at the corner position, if you're not doing your job, there's not much success that's going to be happening on the field. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of playing the corner position, because uh... – one of the things that I liked about your tape is that you're a good tackler, you're a good space defender, you're willing and to be a run defender, and I think that's one of the most underrated aspects of playing corner. There's a lot of, you know, when we looked at guys that came out in the last few years, C.J. Henderson's a great example of this. Top, you know, first round, top 10 pick, guy that had no desire to make any tackles. I mean, that's the whole point of playing defense sometimes. You know, you're not going to win every rep. And he's kind of found a role playing that nickel, you know, late in his career, but it took him a long time. He bounced a lot of teams. So I like I like corners that can tackle. I like corners that can be physical. So that being said, two-part question, part one being, is it man or zone that you like playing better personally? I think, like, to my skill set, okay, my skill set might look like I should be the guy that wants to play man every play. But to my skill set, I'd say I like to play zone because I'm super smart. Like, if you give me the opportunity to see the play develop or see what the quarterback is doing or just, like, use my pre-snap indicators while being in zone, they're like, there's many things I can't, like, not do. Like, I'm going to make the play more often than not or make sure the ball's not going to come to my side, especially in a zone coverage. And also, like, in cover two, like, if you roll me up into the boundary or to the field, like, a lot of my big plays in my career have been because I've been rolled up in a cover two situation or, you know, rolled up in a trap situation because I get to see what's about to happen. And then instead of like being in man, where like you got your eyes on your man and 
we always talk about your picks are not going to come in man coverage. Your big plays are usually not going to come in man coverage. Like, yeah, you're going to get a PBU, but also that's in the job description. So sometimes it's not considered a big play. Like that's a big thing that we talked about at Tennessee is like, you got a PBU, you did your job. Like that's not like a big yeah. play that helped us like win the game. Like, yeah, it could have, but you were doing your job. But like, if you're going to make a pick or something like that, like my play versus Texas A&M this past year, like I was a trap cover two corner. And I just, like, realized what was happening. So I just stood my ground, and he threw the ball straight to me at the end of the day. So I like to play zone because I guess he utilized my biggest strong suit, which is, A, I like to hit, and, B, I'm a super smart football player, and I'm, like, twitchy for as big as I am. So it's easy for me to get from point A to point B to make plays. And so that's what I was kind of thinking when I watched you because the man coverage that you did play stands out, right, because you're tight. I think you like to go to a trail most of the time, right? I mean, you don't want to be in a trail, but, like, there's just times, like, just based on the technique that we're playing this year, it it was more cookie cutter. So, like, kind of had to do what you had to do to be able to get on the field. And that, that wasn't always my strong suit. So, like, I had to be in a trail for me to be able to play other things that are going on in, in the situation. Mm-hmm. I guess if, like, <clears throat> you watch my film from BYU – I was able to play a little bit different of technique, so I was on top of routes a little bit more. But it is what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. You looked like a different player at BYU than Tennessee. Not worse or yeah. better, but more just like this. He's it's he's clearly being asked to do something different here. Like yeah. it's not it's definitely not the same thing, which And that's and there it is right there. There it is right there. But that's why that's why I was there was a, that's where I was going the two part question was I saw a lot of man. I thought it looked like you could really play it, but it looked like you also preferred zone so that's why i was curious um yeah my my last question before i hand this off to the other guys here is hula bowl experience what were you able to go down to the hula bowl over uh, a couple weeks ago and kind of take away from that event yeah um you know my biggest takeaway from the event is uh some of the rules in the nfl like the amount of flags that were being thrown on us was like ridiculous, like illegal contact. Like I never really understood still don't. like not like being touching the receiver, like after five yards, because like sometimes like if I got you and like, I'm a mush you out of bounds, like in college, but there's, those are things you can't do in the NFL. And um, they called like a lot of OPI also like little things that like, I wish they were throwing in college because I'm like, he's shoving me down like this stuff, but the refs are like, they see those things like those are the things that they're actually looking for because they sat us down before each practice and they told us like the specific things that they're looking for and like what's thrown at a higher rate in the NFL compared to college. So that was cool. Um, Definitely. I mean, I guess like practicing like a pro because we did have like a lot of coaches that were retired from the NFL. And so that was cool. But um, I guess also getting to meet with the scouts was a good experience too. I mean, I met with a lot of teams, a lot of teams told me, like things that they liked about myself that I didn't even know about. And a lot of teams like told me like where they felt like they would take me, which sometimes was a surprise, sometimes wasn't. So it was good. uh, Nonetheless, I do think that like these all-star games sometimes are a little bit tough because like you don't have the same resources you do at, at your school. So we went like three days in a row of fall camp practicing without having the ability to go use the hot tub, have the trainers have to do all that type of stuff. Yeah, there are trainers there and that stuff, but it's nothing compared to like what I had at least at Tennessee. It could have been way different from somebody from a different school. It could have been like more than they had, but for me, like even from 
the three places I'd been at was just really different. So my body felt like crap by the end of the five <laughs> days I was there. Like I was battling, like not trying to get injured more than I was like trying to make sure that, oh, I'm doing everything correctly. Cause we had a couple of guys that got significantly injured that their draft process is now over because they got injured at the Hula Bowl. That's unfortunate, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, no, it sucks to hear. Um, is there anybody, any NFL players or any former UT guys that you are in contact with? Maybe like, you know, that give you advice, mentorship, anything like that. Um, or about, um, come, you know, about, about the upcoming draft process and the combine, all that stuff. Uh, I wouldn't say like, see, I was at UT for about a year, right? Yeah. But like, not enough like with the guys that are there beforehand that are like in the draft. I know that like this past summer, um, Cam Sutton like helped like I went to go train a house athlete because they had known Cam and stuff like that. So I went to go check that out. And we talked to Alante a little bit because his cousin CJ played with me at Vanderbilt. So but I, I'd say like a lot of oh, people that oh, I talked to like CJ Taylor? Yeah. I didn't know Cam's was his cousin. That's awesome. No, not Cam. No, Alante. 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 Oh, Alante, yeah, that no, Alante, yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah, they kind of look alike if you actually ever even look at it. They do, which is kind of funny. But anyway, um, I have I've talked to a lot of the process, like with my guys from BYU and some of my boys yeah. from Vanderbilt, because those are guys that I built like a longer relationship with, of course, from Vanderbilt. Right. And then like playing at BYU last year, like, I mean, I got to talk to Puga about it. I got to talk to Jaron and such to see what, what the situation's been like. Um, and we had a lot of guys get drafted from BYU. So it was yeah. cool just to see like what they said about it. And it's just the biggest thing that everybody says is a marathon, not a sprint. Like, and I realized that more this week than I had in my like prior two weeks. Cause I'm trying to get, you know, faster in my 40 at the start. Cause I mean, I can fly at the back half, but right now I'm trying to figure out the start in the first week. Like it was not what I wanted the second week. Eh, still not what I wanted, but like this past Friday was the day that I took like a massive stride. And I was like, Okay, I see what they're under saying now. Like, yeah. I get why they're saying like Rome wasn't built in a day. Like, you're yeah. you're not going to get like faster in this because it's not about being fast; it's about being technically fast. So, like, if I'm fast in like ten steps, cool. Somebody did it in six; they're going to be faster than me, even though they might not actually be faster than me by any means. Right. But so it's just been cool to actually take like it because there's not really a classroom setting. It's more or less like a hey, we told you this, now apply it. So now taking like the class to the grass has been better for me in the last couple of weeks. Right on. A little bit of an unserious question here too. Yeah. When you found out you were playing Iowa in your bowl game, what was that like? Because they averaged like four points a year. Were you psyched or were you like, shit, they're not going to throw the ball on us? Like, what do you do? I like, in the back of my mind, personally, I was like, this is like the type of football that's just like, if I was in the Big Ten, I would have been, like, uberly dominant. Because, like, that game, I played <laughs> one of my best games, like, to yeah, that se- like all season. I was like, this is just too easy. It moves too slow. Like, I can I can tell what's going to happen pre-snap. And when you're under the center, not too much stuff can, like, truly happen. Like, you got to still three-step drop to throw a quick game. Like, it's not where they catch the ball and they're throwing the slant. And I'm like, that happened way too fast. Like, where yeah. did that happen? Like, that wasn't happening. And it was more downhill runs. Like, when they yeah. said, like, he's going to run the ball between the A and the B gap, 
So it was not is. like, oh, he's going to run the ball through the A and B, and then he's going to be like Ray Davis and bounce it outside and try to score a touchdown, right? No, it was like down <laughs> the A and B. Like, I'll meet like, him there. Like, right yeah, there. And I'm, yeah, and I meet him there. And I was like, that's easy. That's super easy for me. And at the end of the day, they were like, they have the number two overall defense in the country. We don't know if y'all are going to be able to score. And I was like, man, you got to think, we have the most high-powered offense in the country. You might have not looked at it at some points in time. But I was like, we're going to freaking fly at the end of the day. Yeah, so, they have the best defense because they're playing offenses like that. Of like course. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. like, yeah. And I think like the, the the Michigan, like Alabama game was kind of like the epitome of that too. Like, like I, I trained with some guys from Michigan and they're like, yeah, they like weren't that good up front. Like, yada, yada. I was like, well, if they weren't that good, y'all still went into overtime. I was like, and that was not the best Alabama team that like has been around. I was like. Yeah, we folded. Don't get me wrong. Here at Tennessee, we folded this year. We were up by by seventeen or early cases, and we and we didn't win the game. But I was like, if y'all would have played Georgia, like who I thought should have been number four at the end of the day, I was like, it would have been a way different ball game for y'all. Yeah. It would have been <laughs> way scarier too. <laughs> Good to hear. Did you when you intercepted uh, Joe Milton in practice ever? Did it hurt your hands or? Dude, I'll be honest with you. Joe takes care of the ball really like yeah. well. Okay. I, I'd say like, Joe was picked off in, in my time there maybe like four or five times, but it was usually off of a deflection or something like right. that. Right. But uh, no, I mean, our other DB, Kamal, like got baited him one time in a cover two, and it was like ended practice, and it was pretty good. But um, I'd say like Nico threw more picks than anything. Like I picked Nico off one time, I'd say. Uh, but he was he's young, so he was just yeah. make, like certain things that we'd make look like it was cover one. When it was invert two, and he didn't see us when we pull up in those situations. Right, right. And and that's interesting as you say that about Joe too, because I remember before the season started, I don't know if you knew about like Josh Minesco and some of the guys who were doing the interviews with Joe before the season started. Uh, no, yeah, I didn't yeah, he's that. like his comedian, and and he asked Joe when he was going to throw his first his first one. He goes first what? His first interception. <laughs> you know, like that was the question. So. Because I think it was it was known also that he wasn't really throwing them in practice, but yeah, he. I mean, one thing I'll say is like, whatever everybody like believes about Joe at the end of the day, like the dude did exactly what he was told and like helped us be as as successful as we could with like what we were doing. At the end of the day, like we we did get like we played four bad quarters of football, and four bad quarters of yeah. football results in four L's. Like that's how small like the like margin is for victory. We played a bad second quarter versus Florida. That lost us the game. We played a bad third quarter versus Alabama, lost us the game. And we played a bad, you know, third quarter against Missouri, lost us the football or fourth quarter versus Missouri and lost us the football game. And then Georgia, the second quarter, they did two trick plays and they got us. And we were we had our eyes in the backfield and then they had a reverse to the end zone. And it was just like, dang. But other yeah. than that, like, would you, would you, nobody, I would never say, like, Joe lost us a football game. Like, he, yeah, the pick six versus Missouri, it happened, but it was after they had just gone for 205 on the ground with, with the yeah. homeboy that runs the ball and they're up by 21 points already. So it was just like, ah, it is what it is. He was trying to force something to help us get back in the football game. Yeah, screw it. Hero ball's okay sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned that scouts are kind of telling you stuff even you didn't realize about your game. Like, hey, we like this about your game. And you're like, oh, that's surprising. What type of things are they telling you, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, like, um, 
this is gonna sound funny like uh maybe i'm just like harming myself sometimes they're like we really like like how sticky you are and like press may coverage something like that and i don't know maybe we just like really like are very nitpicky at, uh, which i do think we are when it comes to watching film but it's just sometimes i'm just like that just doesn't feel right or that doesn't look right but i guess like it doesn't always have to look right for it to like actually be like the right thing that you're doing like i guess like more often than not it's like a good ball that's beating me then i'd say like me not just being there for for the the pass so it was cool to hear that and um i tell you that was the biggest thing because like this season i was just like really worried about like because i battled some injuries like i I said like the back half of the season probably played at like 70 percent so i was playing and we were playing the better part of our schedule when i was playing at 70 percent. so i was like oh gosh i'm gonna put out bad tape and that's not what i need at this moment in time but i actually played a lot better than i even expected myself to which was good at the end of the day I'll throw one more out if you don't mind, John. Mm-hmm. So w- one of the things I, I like to ask guys is kind of when you're going through your week and you're prepping for your game, what types of things are you doing in terms of preparing for your opponent? Are you taking notes? Like how do you approach the week? Yeah, this is like a good question because this is like a question that ma- majority of scouts ask when they go down their questionnaire. But on Sundays, I'm watching the game that we just played, seeing – like before we talk about it on Monday, just seeing what I see at the end of the day. But then to move on to the next week on Monday, I usually watch first and second down, write down like what I'm going to see. Cause on Tuesday, that's what we're going to get at practice first, second down, second and long, seeing what a team's going to do. Tuesday, I go through third down and fourth down um, trick plays. Cause that's what majority of the time we're going to see on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I usually like do like a holistic approach and, I try to watch like everybody and especially down the stretch of the season, I started to realize I need to watch like the guys that haven't even played that much. Cause like versus Georgia, like Dylan Bell, like hadn't like, didn't get the ball a lot, but he was like the guy that day. he threw a touchdown and ran a touchdown and caught a touchdown. And I was just like, mm-hmm. dang, if I would have watched more about this, like it would, I would have seen that this, this is an opportunity that would have happened. And then on Friday, I kind of try to watch somebody that plays a similar defense to us. So we're like a four, two, five base with base nickel but our nickel doesn't travel, which a lot of teams don't usually do that. Our nickel, their nickels usually do travel. So just trying to see like somebody that's played the same type of game as us to see like how they attack them. Of course, like the players are different. So like, you don't know where they're going to really attack you, but just to see like the philosophy of what they were trying to do versus certain teams, like, which was good. Cause like Alabama does something like kind of similar to us and versus Texas A&M, like we saw that like, Max Johnson would force stuff if you get a lot of pressure on him. And I was like, if we roll up to the field, like it's over with. And we got two interceptions in like the last two minutes of the game because of it. And I was like, that was good that I was able to see that because we, they were supposed to be one of the better O lines that we saw all year long. And I think we sacked him like six times and got like eight pressures on him. I was like, I mean, when we got James Pierce and we had TB coming off the edge, we were like, almost unstoppable so it was pretty good to see that happen too but that that's pretty much how my week goes and then by like saturday i try not to watch anything else because now it's like a read and react like a lot of guys still try keep watching on saturday but i was like i'm just gonna overwatch and then go out there and play stiff so at this point it's just time to go play you mentioned uh a lot of the other defenses that you watch don't have that uh, they do have a traveling nickel when you guys didn't uh, what types of differences does that kind of create how is that different between what you guys ran versus what other teams ran really it doesn't matter what the difference is between what we ran it just matters like the offense is going to put two speed guys into the boundary 
like because you're not traveling your nickel so that means essentially you're gonna have a walked out will or you're gonna ask your safety to come down or you're gonna ask your corner to divide the zone instead of having like a true cover player into the boundary when they're gonna go fb into the boundary so that was just like the thing what we saw teams are either gonna a run the ball into the boundary or b attack us into the boundaries throwing the ball which is like it it just it was tough because like we'd have our leo dropping sometimes right it was james pierce and at the beginning of the season you know it was tough for them to understand that like it's not just bu- like buzzing to a spot it's like looking seeing where they're going and then buzzing to that spot and and i had told him that and boom in the last game of the season he like looked buzzed and scored a touchdown a 64 yard pick six and i was like that's what we just need y'all to do every single time and then we could run more coverages where we're not afraid to like roll to the field because we have such a good defender into the boundary who also comes off the edge so it just makes his stock even more valuable right because he can drop into coverage and pick the ball off but also right. he can get his hand in the dirt and he's going to come and attack the quarterback wow there we go yeah there we go guys Gabe, uh, we got to wrap this thing up because I think we're a little bit over time. Hopefully, AC and Sammy didn't fall asleep back there. <laughs> but no, great. I thought that was great. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and really yeah. getting a chance to let us see a little bit into, you know, your football IQ and what you what you know about the game, and and then to get to know a little bit about you too. I think that was awesome. Yeah, so I appreciate well, you taking you. the time, man. Yeah, thank you for yeah. having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Sammy, AC, let's get us let's get us out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.